money and realize the gains that we love and the advice that we see. Because we can't forget, iron plus one's burn from my kind of mercy bomb list. How's it going, man? Man, that intro is getting solid, bro. <laughs> the two guys in their 20s no longer apply, so it's no <laughs> a different era. I'm old now, man. But that was a, that was a great intro, bro. Uh, I'm doing good, man. Coming back off this surgery, I'm just trying to, you know, walk again. So we'll see how things go in a couple of weeks. Definitely. Well, we're joined by a special guest once again. I'm Kevin Garcia. He's been on for past episodes and a good friend of the show. Thank you so much for being back on, man. Of course. Glad to be here again. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, well, we have a lot of topics to get into for this episode. Obviously, thoughts on the finals. Um, some album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a, a Spider-Man across the to start off with just thoughts on the Nuggets dominant game three win in Miami, along with Murray and Jokic's historic performances. Um, Denver won 109-94, and Jokic and Murray became uh, the first teammate in finals history to both record triple doubles. Uh, Denver also out-rebounded the Heat 58-33. to And, you know, in the last game, there was, in that second half, especially Miami, seemed like the more dominant, um, aggressive team. But to you, Kevin, like, what were your thoughts on what Denver was able to do um, and just how they kind of flipped the switch in the second half? Yeah, I mean, the way Denver's looked in game one and game three kind of seems like what would have made sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, hold on real quick. I just want to, like, is it recording me? Yeah, it's recording. I was just checking because it wasn't showing the lines and stuff. I see it showing the lines on, on our side. On yours? Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure so I didn't go into it and then... Oh, no, you're good. Okay, <laughs> <just> not <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I just wanted to make sure, so... Yeah, you're good. Okay. Okay, yeah, you can keep going. Okay, Um. yeah, Uh. kind of before even the whole series, part of me was like, the Nuggets really should honestly get this in four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, like a five game. And games one and three kind of look like that. The only reason I didn't want to say that is because the Bucks probably should have got the heat in that. The Celtics should have got the heat in that. So I was like, let me give them some credit. And I don't know. It's just – it looks like – I don't know what matchup right now or what kind of combination of people could really match up well with them, the way that they're shooting and all that. Um, and they've had so many games of – well, surely they can't keep going at that pace, and yeah. it it just is <laughs> like, and it just is keep going. Definitely, um, and 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 to you, Savon, like it's interesting because like we've mentioned how Jokic, he's going to be uh, he's going to play at a high level almost every game. Like in that last game, he had forty one points, only four assists. But this game, it was more of that balanced Jokic performance where everybody's getting involved. He's making sure that he's facilitating, surveying, surveying the yeah. floor. Uh, what did you think about this performance and, and what it means going forward for, for the Nuggets? It wasn't even Jokic that, you know, surprised me this game because we know he's a facilitator first and that's when they're the, the best. He, he gets the, the guys involved, the guys off the bench involved. But Jamal Murray having a triple double yeah. is really unheard of, especially in this game coming off that loss. He looked like he was ready to just take all take all the uh, the effort, take all the, the backlash, everything. They probably had a, a terrible uh, meetings after game two. Like, guys, we need to finish this in, in five games. But I think Jamal Murray has really submerged and, and, and became that leader. We know Jokic is the facilitator. That's his stamp. But I think Jamal Murray in this whole postseason, in the, in the NBA Finals, have became the leader of this different Nuggets team. 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. He looked like he could do no wrong. And then game two, we, we we all know when 
Jokic is not the facilitator. He had four assists. They're not they're not a well-oiled machine. They were playing pretty, really good defense on him. They was allow him to shoot. I will live with Jokic knocking 41 points down a game. It's the assist total is is going to be the heartbreaking thing for any organization, any team. So, but Jamal Murray, I think, was the still of the show. Him having a triple double, him stepping up to the plate and showing his teammates that he can lead this ball game. Yeah, and I mean another notion that's kind of I think growing from this from this finals is, is the fact that you know Murray and Jokic might be the best duo in the league. We have a lot of impressive duos. Like to you, Kevin, like like where do you think this duo ranks among just like the most potent ones? Because there's so many. Obviously, the Splash Brothers play didn't have the typical series we used to sing from him. AD and LeBron went on a run, but came up short against Denver. Where do you see this this duo among the best in the league? Yeah, in regards to just actual straight up five on five NBA play, all of that. I mean, it has to be the best, right? Like, I mean, and and that's weird because there's players better than Jamal Murray. Like, if you had players on two K, right, and they were like one was ninety five, like a Devin Booker and a 98 like KD or something, their numbers would add up to be higher than Jokic and Murray. But like them together is just like, I don't understand. Some of this is going to look so weird in like 15 (laughs) years when people are looking at Jamal Murray's playoff stats because it's not just this year. I mean, a couple years ago too against in the bubble, he was killing it too. I mean, he had like 45-point games. Yeah, He put up 25 a game in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers even though they got him. Yeah, Yeah, like, but, but... and it's just crazy because he just has, I don't know. Like, I mean, as a Lakers fan, obviously I was seeing it in that sweep. Just like he looks like so much better than so many players. But I don't know if he would exactly look like that. I, I do think he's better than most people probably think of him as. Yeah. But, like, I do think the way that they play together, it just unlocks it so well. It, I mean, it opens it up for Jokic, too. I mean, Jokic is going to be Jokic regardless. No what. But it opens it up so much more for him when you do have – a lot of shooters, and in particular one who can, uh, like Savon said, do some playmaking, make some shots, make some tough shots, and is always going to kind of keep going that way. Yeah, absolutely. Where would you, Savon, rank this this duo among among the best in the league? It's still still early to to say they're top five, right? They they just got to NBA Finals. Jamal Murray has been up and down with his injuries. He even <laughs> told I asked the coach, "Are you guys going to trade me?" So it's always like that that hidden doubt. Like, are these guys going to get it together eventually? Are they going to get to the NBA Finals? They're here. So now it's all about a consistency thing. I won't say they're top five. I definitely think they're top ten. There's a lot of great duos. If you take your pick, you got Kevin Durant and Kevin Booker. No top five. five. Not top five. Because Jamal Murray has not been – Jamal Murray has not been here. He hasn't. So I'm not talking about – I'm talking in top five consistently from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Jamal Murray just had two seasons where he was injury-free. So how are we going to give these guys top five of potential? No. I'm giving top five of clear evidence. These guys are great duo together. Obviously, you got Clay and Steph Curry. Uh, so uh, you're basing you know, it more so on and, availability. You're basing it more so on availability. No, I'm I'm not just availability. I'm consistency and doing it year on a year basis. Like Kevin said, we know Jokic is going to be that guy. Look at Middleton and Giannis been doing it for four or five years. Got a championship out of it. Devin Booker and Katie are still uh, still new, but they're we already know what that what that is. Obviously, you got the Splash Brothers. You got guys across the league. I'm not going to give these guys top five if they haven't been consistent. And he has not been here. So he gets an A for not being here. 
and Jokic is is standing in uh what uh series two and he's not there, he's getting swept because Jamal Murray's not there, but they're the greatest duo. I can't give it to him. I can't give it to him. But after this finals, we're gonna have to see if they can do this consistently moving forward. Now we know Jamal Murray can get to the NBA finals and be a leader and be and be healthy. Moving forward, we'll get but top 10 for sure, but top five, no. It, 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 we, I'm just not, this is not a, a participation award. If you're going to top, we're not, no. I mean, you mentioned Katie and Devin Booker, but they've played like 20 yeah, like, games yeah, together. Katie total. Many regular season KD, games. But look, <laughs> okay, I said take your pick. They have a, a team full of players. If you want to do CP3 and Devin Booker, who just got away? Who just got, I'm just saying, well, you could take your pick. You take Phoenix. a pick. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I just won't give it to him. This is not a participation award. This is the first time getting into NBA Finals, first time even getting remotely close to this. Obviously, we had the bubble. But other than that, these guys have not – What before that. So you're giving them top two or top five of Definitely what resume? Five. Of what resume? Well, I mean, they, I mean, they had been making – whenever he was there, they had been making the playoffs. No, 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 no. Go back, go back to what you just said. When he when he has been there, so yeah. he's not been there fully. Mm, I mean, but I just don't know which other duos in that case have actually been together and both have been healthy and aren't at the end of their career. And if we're just going off, you said participation trophies, but also we can ride people's accolades to the point like where it's uh, like previous achievement gets carried into it yeah, versus but that's consistent though. Level. The Splash Brothers aren't playing at this level right now. Like Steph is not. Yeah, like Steph is, but Clay, Clay's not like Clay just came off a two uh, a two year injury and still hires has top fifteen. <laughs> no, Jamal Murray has come off several injuries. <laughs> several. Clay Thompson only really been hurt one time, and we we seen that. But they went and they won the NBA championship last year. So that's why they're top five because they just won the championship last year. Denver has not did anything outside of make it to the second round of the playoffs besides the bubble. But even the bubble, they didn't make it to the NBA Finals. So what are you guys basing that on? Potential. That's what you're basing on, potential. If you go back to the previous accolades anyways, it's consistency. Splash Brothers are consistent. I could give you way more, but the question just sprouted up because we're to like to throw little questions here and not give nobody a time to get ready for it. If this was in a lot of questioning, I'll have 10 people. That's off the top of the head. But they're not consistent enough to be in the top, top, top five of duos. Not, no. Their resume has not solidified them to be top five. That's just my opinion. Even in this NBA Finals, they might lose. Who knows? And then what? What then? Instead of the top five duo, Rockwell Butler not a bio. <laughs> um, he but, going down to five. That's what yeah. I just said. <laughs> They're not um, going to last. But, but like in, in totality, in terms of like with with how this series is play, played out, if the Nuggets do win, like to you, Kevin, like who who do you think will will probably end up being the most valuable player of this series if things? kind of continue on the same pattern that it's going for Denver. Well, I mean, it's going to be Jokic. I mean, Murray's the most, like, if he's showing up, that's going to be an easy, that he absolutely won. Like Stevon said earlier, Jokic will still put up 41 and 15, but if uh, Murray isn't playing good, they're probably not going to win when he puts that up. 
So, I mean, Murray, it's kind of like whenever uh, Iguodala won the finals MVP, even though he only averaged like 15 a game. Um, but the thing was, once he started playing good, it like put them over the top a little bit. Yeah. But without Steph, there wouldn't have been no top to get put over. You no, know? that's and the so, biggest robbery. Is that the biggest robbery for a finals MVP ever? Yes. <laughs> Iguodala. Yes. Yes. Participation trophy. That's, what no, that, that that's a participation trophy. I'll give you that. Yeah. To, but to, to you, Savon, who, who like like do you kind of feel feels all this the same way Kevin does that it'll probably be Jokic uh, winning the Finals MVP if, if Nuggets win? Oh, for sure, because everything flows through him. The facilitator is one of the most important aspects of basketball. You got to get guys to their sweet spots, getting guys involved, guys off the bench even. So without that, we've seen when he doesn't facilitate well, and they take that away from him. You you lose game two. So Jokic is the the centerpiece of his entire. Uh, basketball team. But I do think Jamal Murray is the leader of the basketball team. Um, and, and now getting to to, to a, a recent report that came out of Kyrie reaching out to LeBron to come to Dallas. Um, it was reported at the beginning of this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, that okay. Kyrie had to talk to... <laughs> you know he's got to put on his recruiting pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Anyway, yeah, I know. <laughs> In attempt to see if, if James would come to Dallas and Irving will also be a free agent this offseason. Um, to, to you, Kevin, like, what what are your thoughts on on this this situation because obviously there's always been reports of, of Kyrie wanting to come to uh, of LeBron wanting Kyrie to come to the Lakers and now yeah. this it to me just, it, it's LeBron is not going to go to Dallas there's no there's no scenario Absolutely in which, in which it will happen um but what, but what were your initial thoughts on it so I mean I live in Dallas and I'm a Lakers <laughs> like this was like a lot of I saw a lot of my timeline even people who don't follow basketball a lot you know um the thing is, is like what's the, the only small 1% wrinkle I even give any credit to was like, I think it was back in like February. Bill Simmons predicted that LeBron and Draymond were going to join Kyrie and, and uh, Luka in Dallas. He's got and, some, some some interesting predictions. Yeah. And sometimes they come next to crazy stuff out there. Yeah. But I've always listened to him. I listen to him almost like wrestling now. I'm just kind of like, it's entertainment. You know, it's fun. He's good at his thing. <laughs> But he he does have sometimes these random things he throws out that I feel like he doesn't want to reveal who told him something. Um, so I don't think the, the biggest reason why I don't think it would happen anyways. But the biggest reason why there's literally nothing to trade for. Like like what are they gonna give? <laughs> like like there's nothing you can give besides like ownership or something to the Lakers. Or Luka. Lives. Yeah, or Luca. I was like, okay, y'all want to trade everybody, and we'll just take Luca back. Fine, I'll do it. Like I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> like you know but other than that I, i'm honestly overall i really just feel like it's them pressing the lakers to get Kyrie, for better or worse um in the sense that like lebron has really really wanted Kyrie, and even though the lakers had a lot of other players show up and do things um lebron seems really really set on wanting to join with Kyrie again and so i think it's kind of them just pressing that way to cause something i guess yeah <laughs> Is it going to happen, Savon, the Kyrie-LeBron reunion in L.A.? <laughs> yeah, they have a better chance of going to L.A., but Dallas, no. Why would you offer a man a Pinto when he got a Lamborghini? I don't, I don't understand it. I don't. But it, it's a better opportunity for him to go. He's a free agent, so trading, like Kevin said, they have nothing to trade for, so it doesn't make sense. Mark Cuban is not going to make that trade unless, unless it makes sense. So he has a better chance of going to free agency and going to the Lakers. But I don't think he wants to be in L.A. I don't know why he, do, he doesn't want to be in L.A. I don't know why he doesn't want to be a Laker, but it's going to be a better position 
for Kyrie to be with the Lakers because now you have that commodity already. You don't have to rebuild because you come in a situation with Luka and all these other guys that you got traded to. So, but you know guys over there. Yeah. So why not, you know, have a better positioning of getting to play with LeBron James by going to the Lakers? That's the easiest way to do it. That's the easiest way to do it. (laughs) Because he's not going to Dallas. Even if he's like, yeah, he will retire, I think. (laughs) <laughs> like some people were saying like oh you know he's a cowboys fan so there might be a chance i'm like no no it's no. not happening <laughs> yeah you guys totally the grass is he's not leaving like no it's just not happening and his kid is just went to usc is going to usc get out of yep. here he's saying yeah bernie's at usc so no no way that's enough um and, and now getting into uh our next topic with the john moran uh, suspension recently adam silver came out and said that the nba investigated the john moran incident and the league will announce the suspension following the NBA finals and, and Savon, we had talked about it before, like what you, what you thought about, you know, the, the, the decision that they should make to you, Kevin, what are your thoughts on, on the league's decision and kind of the likelihood of how long this suspension would be? Um, so I'm not exactly sure, um, what your guys uh, opinion on it previously was mine's a little kind of, I feel like John Morant is like Hall of Fame, all-time first team being a dummy right now. Um, But I'm not sure if it necessitates being suspended like half the season or something, like how people are saying. Like people are like, oh, he should be this much or that much. Part of me is like, I don't know, 10 games max. Like, I mean, mostly because you warned him already and then he's still doing something. But I remember thinking like, if like Brett Favre was over here, right, and listening to country music, and had his rifle out talking about some lyrics in a country song that went along with it. I'm like, would that really be considered? Would people be like, oh, it's goofy and everything? Yeah, but like, would there be some crazy, like, overly thing? Yeah. And again, don't get me wrong. This is like first team all being dumb, losing money, all these things with John Morant. Being stupid, though, doesn't mean you should get suspended that long. Like, and if there's other things going on, yeah, hey, get some people with him and all that. I, I want to see the best for him. I love John as a player, so I could be defensive too. Um, but. I was like, man, it's been treated like, again, kind of extreme. He's being done. Shame him for that. He, apparently, he cares what people think. So let's shame him into stopping, stopping this. You know, mm-hmm. everybody yeah. make fun of it. Maybe it'll change his mind on, on doing these things. But I'm like, man, suspending him for a year or taking away all of his stuff and doing all these things. I'm like, that's excessive. Like he's he's being stupid. He's not like waving it at people. Again, really stupid. I'm not giving any justification, but the level of what he's going to get or what some people want is crazy to me. I think there's other findings as well. They haven't steamrolled it out because of the finals. They didn't want to take away from the finals. And mm. I retracted a little bit from the, I said a half a season because mm-hmm. there was other findings. This is, I mean, yes, you got to write the bare arms. Obviously he didn't break any laws, but your brand you have to, and it's the the people around him, and I think is the the problem. You're a brand of the NBA, and it's not the first time. And I do agree if it was not Brett Favre. I don't think Brett Favre would have been. <laughs> Maybe not a great example. Yeah, that was like, use another one. But, I mean, Melo said this too because he was like, the I think Stearns was the commissioner at the time. He was like, you got to choose, either basketball or, or ish. Or you can't mm-hmm. do both. So you're a professional. So there's mm-hmm. there's a different standard for you as an NBA because you're you're essentially getting paid to play a kid's game. So you and then you're a black male. 
So you already got two strikes against you, right? So we're I'm not chastising him for not being young. I'm chastising him because you should know better. Yeah. That's yeah. not your typical background. Your father showed you better. He was in your <laughs> life consistently. Yeah. Not saying that doesn't, uh, you know, give you a reason to be able to do those things, but you're a, you're a brand. You're part of a brand. You make millions of dollars to play a, a kid's game and you want to do this life. So you got to choose. And I think I said half, half the season, cause I wanted him to choose at the, at the end of the day, you have to come. How severe do I want to play basketball? How severe yeah. do I want How bad do to want be it? in the streets? How yeah. bad do you want? It? So half a season, I don't know about that anymore. Probably 25 games, but yeah. A couple weeks ago, you were going hard. <laughs> hey, you should know better, bro. You're a black male yeah, in true. the United States. You're a young black male. You're making mm-hmm. millions. Like, okay, I digress. But it's, you should know better. You should it is. know better. I, I, there's nothing I disagree with. Um, I th- Well, the thing is, is like he already lost a lot of money. Like just by yeah. not playing a certain amount of games, That's not making all the in your contract, you lost millions. And I'm like. Let's double down. I would be a Jehovah Witness after that. I don't understand it. I lost millions of dollars by showing a good. Yeah, and then did it again. And and it feels and then, uh, and he beat up a seventeen-year-old too. So I mean, mm-hmm. oh a, yeah, yeah. There, there was now see oh, that's yeah. <laughs> that stuff. Some of that stuff was kind of like oh, okay. There's really no. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's all combined. So if it's all combined. A stronger penalty, I'm totally fine with. It's just usually most of the talk has been just around that part of it. But yeah, some of the other stuff, yeah, if you're doing all stuff. those things, you're, yeah, you're together, it can be more than that. And I'm I eager to see what they're going to stream roll. What else did they find? They said they got a lot of stuff they found. So yeah, we'll Mike see Malone would be yeah. mad if he said something, though. <laughs> Probably shot a stripper or something. I don't know. Oh, gosh. Say James bye. Harden. You can use these cancel comments. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna cancel. Yeah. Um but, You're welcome. Um and, and, and another thing, obviously, with, with the major headline of Chris Paul, um, Chris Paul being waived and, and that situation, because like in that Denver series, you know, there was a stretch where Phoenix won back to back games at home. People were saying, you know, do they have more success without Chris Paul because they can play at a faster pace? Um to you, Kevin, like like what do you think about in term, I, I, I know it's it's unfair. To, it's unfair to it's a based off of two games. But Kevin, to, to you, what are your thoughts on the Chris Paul um on Chris Paul's future and kind of like the next possible destination for him? Uh, I do think, and not just because all Lakers fans always think everyone's going to the Lakers, but I do think <laughs> he's probably going to go to the Lakers. Yes, I mean him and LeBron uh, are friends. It makes sense with it for the Lakers side. It's not like at the price he was at. I see the argument of you're taking about oh, a certain amount of space cap wise in which we can have players and the Suns desperately need more depth. I understand yeah. the reasoning. I don't, I don't think if it, if it was just the pace of it, I don't, I don't think that'd be a good argument because you have Chris Paul who, even when he gets old, he's gonna be real smart. He's gonna be real savvy and real annoying. Or general. <laughs> I love and hate Chris Paul. <laughs> but like, um, like I, I, I do think that's probably where it's going to go. He's going to go to a team where he can, um, be a big part, but not take away a whole bunch of the cap. Like, like Westbrook when he went to the Clippers. Ah, like, yeah, if they were yeah. signing him for thirty million, it wouldn't be a great deal to take up all that space. No, but to have yeah. someone come in and be able to provide some extra and them not be the focal point, I think is a huge addition to anybody. He's one of those players when you get older, they're gonna. He's gonna probably have some random game where he wins a playoff game or two and is the turning point for a veteran team to go to a championship or something. Yeah. So. 
Um, good point. And probably a couple little cheap shots of somebody on the way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to you, Savon, what are your thoughts on, on this announcement of him being waived and also the, the next possible fit for him? Excellent point, Kevin, uh, especially that cap space. Cause I was just thinking about the Lakers and how they won in the bubble because they had a really good, but old facilitator, right? John, right. John Rondo. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about what Chris Paul can do. He already has that chemistry with LeBron James cap space. Want to go crazy on it. And I think they'll be immediately better. Like immediately yeah. better. I think that's one of the, uh, Missing factors they had this year. They didn't have a real facilitator outside LeBron. LeBron is getting old, so he needs a lot. LeBron's old, man. LeBron is old. It is saddening, bro. It's real saddening. But I do understand what the Suns are doing. When he missed that breakaway dunk, when he missed that breakaway dunk in game two, well, I was like, oh, it might be over. <laughs> nah, that's not it. I've seen, I've seen a lot of guys, old young guys do that. I know, but the, 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 way, the like, way the world reacted to that, they were like, no, nah, LeBron's never done this before. <laughs> yeah, LeBron. Yeah, then everybody clips of Michael Jordan doing it too. But I think what got me was the low management within the game. Like, he didn't score, he didn't drive or do anything for the first half in first quarter and then some in the second quarter. And then yeah. that's when he turns it on. I'm like, bro, he's old. And then some yeah, of the I, signature thing. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I agree, but kind of a little bit for a different reason. Like, I think it's more so the oldness is hitting his where he's getting injured now. And he used to be, like, immortal, you know. Because he he was, if you watched him this year, I mean, he clearly was moving different before the yeah. foot injury. I mean, he was putting up 45 points, 38, 40. And then throughout the playoffs, he was able, like, at times he was able to just coast. Because, like, Austin Reeves was handling the ball a lot. AD was scoring. Or D'Lo was getting a couple games until, until against the Nuggets, apparently. But, like, you know, that's the part where I definitely see LeBron and getting older, that you do need someone else to handle it more. Which is weird because Chris Paul is older and kind of needs someone else to handle it more, too. But maybe they just take turns. <laughs> Take they run around with life alert on the court. <laughs> Your turn, brother. <laughs> but I do understand what the Phoenix Suns are doing because when Chris Paul got hurt, then it was a, a clear indicator like, okay, guy's old. We got to ship him out. I thought they were going to trade. They might still trade uh, Aiden out of there because Aiden hasn't showed up postseason, and he just got a, a huge contract. And he's always supposed to be that. He's, he always should have been the, the key X factor for that team in terms of like them going to the next level. Yes. And if you're going to keep KD and Devin Booker, you really don't need a, a big four or five. You need a lot of uh, supporting cast guys, guys coming off the bench who can hit from perimeter and play pretty decent defense. So I think they could trade Aiden still and get some good supporting cast pieces. I think Devin Booker and KD will be will be okay. They'll eventually be top five duos of the NBA. <laughs> Murray Jokic, number one. <laughs> 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 um, but now transitioning to our first album review with Keitronade and Amine's Keitronade. Uh, this new album is packed with you know high-profile features that complement uh, Celestine's instrumental bounce and Amine's uh, nimble delivery. I um, mean, and, and when the pair are producing alone, the result is you know equally compel- compelling in Amine's meandering between R&B vocals on the jazz reference tracks. Um, to you, Kevin, like what were your thought initial thoughts on this collab? You know, it definitely had a summary feel to it, and I feel as though they really complemented e- each other on, on each track. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. Like, it, it feels like it's already it's starting to get hot. We're getting the 100-degree weather now in Dallas. So my wife and we've already been in the pool, stuff like that. It, it felt like that kind of music you want to hear when you're 
kind of out. Yeah. And it's weird because I had like a weird, I was trying to think of a certain way to describe it because it wasn't like super fast upbeat, but it was like a controlled, like a controlled upbeat, if that makes sense. I don't even know if that makes sense how to word it, but like uh, it was just done really well. I really enjoyed it. Like um, really uh they'd done a couple tracks before i think like three or so kind of spread from a few years away from each other i know they started working on this a couple years ago but like um yeah i, I mean i really right when i first heard the first song and you hear like kind of the sample and the yeah illusion to others, i was like oh man i think i'm gonna really like this and like yeah i really enjoyed it like the, the only weird thing is the only small thing is like for me i don't really necessarily have like one or two songs that i'm gonna go and just play that one alone but I'm like, if I'm doing a certain thing, I'm going to want to just put oh, this album run, on. Run it through. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I don't mean that as a bad, I, I like albums like that. I think of, I like projects, so I'm totally fine. Like how I haven't played it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Savon, you know, the, the last time we talked about this, 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 uh, this duo, we, we mentioned that how we were looking forward to the album, how they were going to put all these singles together. Uh, what were your, your, your takeaways of it? And just like, you know, what you thought about it overall? Yeah, what Kevin said, man, this is an album, like not a specific song that I'm just going to play, but this is just a letter ride. I think I dislike one song out of 11, and that was uh, uh, West Side. I really didn't vibe with that song. But every other track, fire, the beats are nice. I love the intro. The intro really set the tone of the album. And I was like, okay, because I'm thinking... And Wellington knows I'm going to get this man's name wrong. And we've said it a thousand times. I'm just going to call him K every kiss but kids with K. How about that? K, <laughs> you know, his style style of his producing is, is specific and identical ident- identical to him. And uh, and I was wondering if that was going to be a contrast for Amine. And then I was like, well, the, the, the single track kind of gave me some, okay, it might be decent. But now this full ensemble, I'm like, yeah, they need to do some more projects together. I thought it was really, it was spectacular. 10 out of 11 is not bad. Survive so sounds like summer. The bars were there. Lyricism was there. Um, and then it wasn't overly K. Cantrata? Cantrata? Cantrata. Cantrata. Empanada, Catronada. Okay, <laughs> but but another Catr- another thing I was I was gonna mention, like in terms of how, I, like Savon, you said it, like this these two can probably do more work together. Like Kevin, like do you kind of envision them like do, making more music together, kind of like in the upcoming years? I think so. I mean, it it naturally like, for example, like I've listened to more Catronada, so like I was yeah, like uh, I was like kind of on the other end where I was like, oh, I don't know how this will go this way or that way, but like. It, it naturally goes well. A lot of times I always get disappointed with collabs because I'm always like, this person's is good and this person's is good. Yeah. So you get- we always talk about collabs. Save on- <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or du- duos. Are they top five hey, now? No. The no. worst duo. No, I'm glad you said that because I was coming. The worst duo. High dollar side of division. The worst <laughs> duo oh, <man>. ever. Oh, <laughs> But now this is a good duo. They 2021, might be 2021, what a time. Sure. 2021, what a time. <laughs> a lot of cocaine in those studio sessions for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but now transitioning to our next review of Summer Walker's Clear Two Soft Life EP. Um, in this EP, it opens with um To Summer from Cole on a lyrical benediction where you know J. Cole turns in one of his most compassionate guest verses. And she even said this project was kind of like more catered to her day one fans, as as um she recently uh, was was mentioning it mentioning it to kind of like show dedication to more soul music for the future. Um, Kevin, what were your initial takeaways on this EP? Obviously she, she 
had an album a couple of years ago and now she's kind of like following it back with, with a concise project. So I like it. <laughs> and I like, <laughs> like, it's not bad. I mean, it's almost like, <laughs> I, I don't, it's not like, just say it. Just say it, Kevin. I'm going to be honest. He's honest. Really. You can be honest. Don't hold it's back. terrible. It's I bad. Just, I don't care for it as much. I like her aim. I like <laughs> her aim. But for me, it's not what I want. It's not what I go and play. And I love Summer Walker. Like, when yeah. I play, like, Walker music, it, it, it just wasn't kind of We're not what day I was, bro. That's what I was saying. When she said day ones, I was like, really? Like, who are you making I'm, this for? I'm a day one. I, I like it. Like, I, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. It, it felt more weird. It felt, I think we talked about um, an album last time. It felt more like an album Ari Lennox would have put Ari out, Lennox, yep. And I would have rather heard Ari Lennox do. She would have killed this. She would have uh, killed yeah, this. Yeah, like, like. Perfect just, point. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's literally when I heard the Perfect music point. and even the style of singing. I was like, this would have probably been better for Ari Lennox. Yeah. Um, you know they're friends and they, you know, talk and hang out, so they probably some type of chemistry like, that with music. We killed that. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Yeah, she would have definitely yeah. made this, this whatever this was. If Jake Cole was never on this, we would never <laughs> hear about it. That's probably very true. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna really be listening to this much. It is. <laughs> I might, I might throw it on at some point again just to be like, let me make sure because I like some. Like I said, I, I like listening. I, I always want to have reasons to like something. Um, and so um, I get it. I like some of the stuff she was talking, but it does feel. And I'm, and I'm glad she put it as an EP rather than like a yes. saying it's an album because it, it feels like, hey, like I want to do something in between. Hey, this is where I'm at a little bit. Cool, awesome. But I want to go back to the <laughs> the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm skipping. Savon, <laughs> uh, don't hold back, man. Tell us what you. <laughs> Ye- I like the content. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I like the content. I like what she was talking about. I think it was more of a diary for her. But if J. Cole would have never took five years to write this. <laughs> why does he take so long to write features? Uh, still, <laughs> take five still, years? hearing about the fall off. We're still hearing about the fall off, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, this is insane. Yeah, if he would have never wrote that. And the verse wasn't crazy or nothing like i was looking for like crazy bars he was just just being j cole open i was gonna ask like what do you think about the verse it was it was okay it wasn't one of his best verses but i do think it was it came from the heart for sure and that he was giving her advice he was actually listening to her she said i think it was session 32 actually cried on i ain't cry but i do love session 32 song that's fire song but yeah, this wasn't this wasn't nothing for her fans. This was for her, which is okay. It yeah. didn't, it didn't, it didn't translate over to the fans because I'm a huge. We have fan seen of artists. Walker. We have seen artists do that recently, where, where they'll make projects that aren't for like any of their fans. They'll just say like, "This was for me. I just want. I've already put out so much music. Cool. I'm just, yeah, because yeah. she's giving us so much. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it felt like an interlude, like a long like interlude. A, bro, Kevin, you are on it today, <laughs> sir. <laughs> that bro, that is perfect. It did for like a long interlude, and J. Cole started it. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's crazy. This wasn't our favorite EP, one of our favorite EPs. Say, we were so hyped before it. We we're like, oh, we're yeah, new summer EP. Didn't hit the bottom mark. of the ocean now. <laughs> middle of the ocean. <laughs> <tied to> <laughs> Drop the middle of the ocean. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Now getting to our next review with Rory's, I thought it would be different. Um, in his debut album, which kind of has like high profile features such as Ari Lennox, James Fontaine, Division, Alex Isley, and more. This is kind of a, a 13 song album, which um, you know he really does a, a, a really good job of curating it and show, showcasing some of the best talents in R&B and hip hop. Um, to, to you, Kevin, mm. what did you initially think about this? Because it's interesting when we have like somebody from out from outside of music kind of getting getting in and like putting the artists that they know together for a full length album. Um. I really liked it. I thought it was like, I really liked it. Like, um, not like, oh, it's a 10 out of 10 classic all time. But like, um, you know, like just playing it, uh, it, it, especially for a collaboration album, it sounded way more cohesive than like 95% of like albums like this that people put together. Like it sounded like as if people were putting the same type of music without ex- like each song just sounding the same. Um <laughs> I wrote down kind of when I was thinking of it and it was because partially, partly I was listening to it while I was at a coffee shop. And I mean this in the most complimentary oh, way. Cause at first it'll sound almost in a bad way. It sounds like incredible coffee shop or background music at a party or something like at a summer party in the evening. And it's just playing in the background. And you're like, Hey, whoever's playing this, that sounds pretty good. I'm going to Shazam that. <laughs> three for three, like, Kevin. <laughs> it's not missing. Like, yeah, and and so I was kind of like, yeah, I, I, I like uh, I had weird. Exp- he's been working on it for a few years. Working I think. on it since twenty twenty. Like yeah. he, yeah, he even said recently yeah. on his podcast that he's been working on it like since the pandemic. So I, I heard, yeah, well, he was talking about this when he was on Joe's podcast. Like, like that's how, that's how long he's been talking about. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I was, I was, I had expectations, and I was like, well, I don't really want to have expectations because I don't know how. And he's worked in music stuff. I mean, he was, I think he did AR stuff with Sony and does the stuff with emotional oranges and and stuff like that. So I figured it wouldn't be trash or anything, but like. He's got a good ear for um, me. Yeah, yeah. And I I was a little bit surprised at like, yeah, I I thought it was good. I mean, like, not like every song is a 10 out of 10, but like they all just flowed really well. And like, um, it just sounded good. Like, this is when I will play again. Um, I'm gonna say I never thought like I would hear records. Conway. I never thought I would hear Conway on a beat like that. I never thought I yeah. would. He's kind of really yeah. good on it. <laughs> that was dope. That was actually dope one. Yeah. To, to, to you, Savon, because uh, all of his singles in the past, uh, we, we really liked. We, we mentioned how we kind of were anticipating what this whole project would sound like. But what did you think about it overall, and just you know him cur- curating this? Come to my surprise, I didn't. I thought he was an artist because it sounds like other people besides the feature artist on the song. And then Wellington told me, no, he's he's just a curator. He's just a <laughs> just a curator of the arts. <laughs> but uh, then then I had to take back my take back my initial thoughts of the the album and, and just clear space. And yeah, this is this is tough. Is he has a lot of good art? You know, I'm gonna compare it to DJ Khaled's albums, and he just throws <laughs> tracks on there, or they just give him old tracks. This has been freaking uh, day aged for three years, son. Like <laughs> Rory's been day aged in this album, and it sounds so good. It sounds really, really and good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give songs. you a bet. I'm gonna give you a bet, Savon. The people that work with Rory probably really like Rory. The people who work <laughs> with Khaled probably super annoyed that he that he brings. Bro, <laughs> stop calling me. Like Bryson Tiller, he pulled up on Bryson Tiller. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you can tell that the people actually like Rory on these tracks, and then Conway was the. The biggest surprise, like you said, when the beat came on, I'm thinking like he's on this shit. Does the beat change eventually? But then he just goes on there, he just flows, man. He's just he's just a natural talent. But Roy, yeah, this is this is 
yeah, man, there's probably nine out of 13 songs I really like. Obviously, the five singles that he dropped periodically. And then Goalie Interlude and then Division Interlude really, really sold me. Because they were, they were put precisely at the right spots throughout the album to kind of like slow it down and bring it back to something. And I think the intro song, Surrender, was pretty dope too. Yeah. That. Start yeah. to finish. And um, and another thing I was mentioning before uh, Kevin with Savon was like how the album ended with Reason, kind of going like for like a four or five minute just um, lyrical uh, type of track. Like, is there any way, could, could you envision, after hearing this, could you envision a project where Rory just like, curated a bunch of like rappers that he knows like in the industry to like put together a full body full body of work like this like like could you see him kind of pulling off that type of album after doing this one um i feel like with the amount of work he would the 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 willingness to not rush it yeah i feel like he probably could i feel like that's the biggest like the biggest thing i mean having a good ear is really important and all that's good and doing that but the fact that you're not like just going to throw it out there to throw it out there. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I would think so. I, although I, I don't, I feel like this would be uh, more his lane of figuring this out. And even when he talks about music and he things likes like R&B that, I feel more. like, yeah, like, like, like I, I feel like this would probably be something he does better, but I feel like if he did that with some, uh, with rap, I mean, I feel like it would probably be solid at the very least. Kind of like, like, see, I mean, like compared to like DJ Khaled is just like, <laughs> Let me get Justin Bieber, Drake, and uh, Chance the you Rapper. Know all the people are going to be maybe on. the Migos. <laughs> yeah, throw some really bubbly pop. And then there'll always be like one random song that's really good, though, like on accident almost. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, compared to that, I, I think I think he would do one that was probably pretty solid. I don't know. In particular, he might go like the Griselda route, or who he would. I go was to thinking have Griselda because he knows a lot of people in Griselda. Yeah. It might be a Griselda type album. Yeah. Um, and after listening to our next review with Georgia Smith's uh, Little Things, um, in her latest single, which is kind of a song about spontaneity, shows Georgia discussing, you know, making dreams come true. And lyrically, it's very loose, plus centered on having fun. Um, Kevin, to you, what were your initial thoughts on this single and just um, the overall feel of it? Uh, I really So the first, first time I listened to it, I was kind of like, oh, OK, it's cool. But I've kept listening to it. More, like I kept playing it more and more. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I really like this song like a lot. Like, cause I listened to that, and then uh, she had the other one come out too, uh, "Try Me." Yep, yeah, "Try Me." Um, mm-hmm. And "Try Me" at first for me was more like, oh man, I love this. Yeah. And, but then uh, little things, I just kind of like the more I kept playing it, I was like, man, I really like this song a lot. Like, like this, it, it kept growing on me, which usually is like most of the stuff I really, really like. I usually at first think it's solid. <laughs> like I'm usually like, oh, that's cool, and then it like keeps Build. growing a little bit more so yeah i thought it was really good i really like it yeah definitely um so Savon, to you what were your initial thoughts on this single because you know she she recently announced that her her second album is coming out september 29th and you know she's, she's been putting out um a lot of singles recently what, what were your takeaways of it and just kind of your expectations for her next project this is a single song it is it's a single song context kevin we are uh, when artists drop a single we either think it's a it's for an album or it's actually a good single song. So this is actually a good single song. Thought it would it remind me of uh George's interlude off Drake's More Life. Uh, More Life one. It had that that type of tone and vibe <laughs> to it. And I wanna I don't wanna like it so bad because how she did, but boy, uh, you know, I got his number saying. We got Jaden, man. We got Jaden. We got one of his best RB songs. <laughs> Bro, he did she did a wrong. How you gonna take him to see your family? What? 
Okay, they over text. They over text. That's crazy, bro. But so green. So green. This song is fire. This this is a good song. I think this got saved. This is something you can play any environment. It'd be a vibe if you in a bodega. <laughs> just just randomly, just randomly a bodega. Turn <laughs> on. This is Georgia. <laughs> yeah, but no, nah, this yeah, any environment is a vibe. You can play at night, daytime, whatever. I'm really interested on in how this album is going to be. That's what I was about to ask. Yeah, how do you think it's going to sound? The album's going to be. I think it's going to be a solid project because she's still getting into her own, still getting to that the niche of finding a consistent pattern of music. So I'm I'm really eager to listen to this album, and it's I think it's fifteen songs, sixteen tracks, sixteen tracks. So pretty pretty, con- pretty know, concise. We, we like thirteen or fourteen, but we'll, we'll let us. Yeah, we'll we'll take it. <laughs> Since we know you and all. Since we know <laughs> you. want to get um, on a podcast, Georgia, just come call us. You got my on, number. Come on, Georgia. Come on, girl. <laughs> no, free, please follow me, please. <laughs> She'll never. <laughs> Ooh, um, she is. Bless her heart. <laughs> but now getting to our, to our next review, last review with Kendrick Lamar and Baby and Baby King's The Hillbillies, which Savon utterly. <laughs> I'm just going to mute my microphone. Come on, man. Um, but but in, in this new surprise track, you know, it was it was obviously a drill inspired song. Samples Von Iver. It's the pair's tenth uh, collaboration. Um, so you, to, to you, Kevin, like, what did you initially think about this? Because nobody, there was not not a lot of promotion of this. It just dropped randomly, and they obviously worked together a lot. But but I feel as though this was this was just not something meant for something in particular. But it's just they worked whenever they worked together. It's a it's a loose kind of laid back type of track. Um. I don't hate it as much as much as some may. Um, I won't say like I love it. I mean, it's it's fun to just throw on randomly, but I feel like I'm probably not gonna be playing it much soon. But I, I also do feel like if if y'all kind of do the, is this gonna be on the album or is this just throw it out there or something? I don't feel like this is gonna be on an album. I feel like this is just kind of like to have something out there. I hope it's not on an album. <laughs> yeah, you ever hear um, one of those and, songs? You're like, please don't put this on. <laughs> Yeah, and and like I said, I'm I mean I'm a Kendrick stan. I mean I'm I'm a defender of Kendrick and everything, and so that made me probably not dislike it super much. I'm like it's cool, um, it's fine. It wasn't what I would have wanted necessarily. <laughs> yeah, you were definitely um, a Kendrick Lamar fan. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, I feel like it's better with the video. It's kind of fun to watch him play, like and just kind of like see that. But like playing it, I, I played it a few times. I thought I liked, and then I just. I'm, and since then, I'm just like, oh, it's cool. Yeah, it's it's yeah. um, Savon, it's, it's 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 not a single song or album. It's just a Lucy, right? It's just a Lucy, <laughs> bro. I was. This is music you are definitely making with a family member. Like <laughs> this is, I got my cousin in the studio, and we're just gonna flow. Whatever comes out, going down to the retro grade of a cover art. Double O seven. Bro, yeah, it was is yeah, it's a no for me, man. Even you know, and I'm glad you did say something about you being a Kendrick Lamar fan. I'm a Drake fan, but if he puts out some crap, I'm gonna call it crap. That last single he put out was crap, was trash. <laughs> but this, yeah, this, yeah, definitely they probably was in the the basement of his five million dollar mansion, and uh, was just making music. And it was like, you know what, you want you want to drop it. Let's drop it. And then the hillbillies. And there's a music video behind this. Yeah. 
I see now I gotta watch the music video to get some context. Yeah, yeah. like music video actually it helped actually helps when you watch the music video because it makes it, it kind of does. I hope so. <laughs> it feels like you're it. not gonna like you're not gonna end up liking the song, but you'd be like, okay, I kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and the only thing I do, I won't say like, but like I I think is good from this. I feel like on Kendrick's last album, I feel like he was clearly clearly saying, look. I'm not the guy y'all propped me up to be. I'm kind of a certain way sometimes. Here's my thing towards that. And now I'm going to just make some stuff. It's going to be fun, maybe. It might be aggressive at times. It might be whatever. And so I feel like him putting out something like this is kind of almost a first step towards that of just like, I'm going to just make Bro. stuff. And like, because even he says, uh, what's the song where he's talking about? Like, I'm, I'm uh, Y'all put me a certain way, but I'm more Kodak Black and da 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 da. And I choose me. I'm sorry. Now he's, he's in this mindset where I think I'm he's going to be like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And, Bro. Y'all don't have to overthink it. Y'all don't have to do all that. And it's going to be just like that. Applause, and he's going to make... Bro, Kevin, you're a four for four, bro. This is the heard <laughs> of a full scope podcast for, from a guest, bro. That is... I didn't even get that from that album. And I love that album. Mm-hmm. Now I got to go listen to it again to get that point, get that perspective. I didn't mm-hmm. even hear that from him. Wow. And he experience. dropped this. Wow. I don't like the direction. I'm gonna say it. I don't like the direction. I don't like the direction. Be serious again. Talk about your aunt or whoever. Talk about that. I'm gonna tell you what though. After a, a fully that album was heavy. That is a yes. super heavy album. Yeah. You, you gotta I guess you just gotta. Like, you know what I mean? Just like let Ben, ben you know, after you follow. So yeah, that's that's a great one. He'll believe. He'll believe. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting into our Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse review and we're joined by another guest, Alex Hampton. He's been on, on, the, uh, on the show for past times. Head of Momentum Media does really great work in analyzing uh, different Marvel movies and just um, DC movies in general. Thank you so much for being on, man. Uh, thank you for having me, Well, It's good to be on the show again. Yeah, man, Absolutely. Um, and to start with the overview, this is the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is set in a shared multiverse of alternate universes called the Spider-Verse. The film is directed by um, Joaquin uh, Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson, starring Jameek Moore, Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree Henry, Una Lauren Velez, and uh, Jake Johnson. In this film, Miles goes on an adventure with Gwen Stacy Spider-Woman across the multiverse, where he meets a new team of Spider-People known as the Spider-Society, led by Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 20, 2099, who comes into conflict with them over handling a new threat. Had a budget of 100 million and brought in 247.8 million to the box office at a 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, to start off, Alex, like, what were your initial thoughts on a film that was, you know, really spectacular visually and, you know, had thrills from the from the start to the um the ending of Cliffhanger? Um, <clears throat> like I when I walked into the film, I had uh, really high expectations because I really enjoyed the uh, the previous film. Um. Just that opening scene where Gwen's telling her story immediately got me like sucked into the world. Um, and seeing that 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 same dynamic where Spider-Man has that so-so, well, every Spider-Man has that so-so relationship with the cops, but with Gwen, her father um has that dynamic where she he hates Spider-Woman and is hunting Spider-Woman, but even when he finds out that Spider Can we do spoilers? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, spoiler, yeah, spoiler, spoiler we, uh, warning. When, I gotta preface this. Spoiler warning again. <laughs> uh, when he finds out that you know his daughter is Spider Woman, like he's still 
tries to arrest her, which is crazy because it's just like, like, yo, that's your daughter, you know, like, and I get, I get, you have a job to do, but like, that's still your daughter. That's that's, that's your daughter, yeah. like, and she's 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 tried to tell you multiple times, like, this is not what you think it is. Um, so to see that relationship dynamic within that first twenty to thirty minutes was really cool, and then seeing the vast different Spider Man, um, from all the different Spider Man that you've either played a game of or watched a show of, or seeing different suits of him. Um, I mean, I didn't even know there was a Spider Man dinosaur. Like, how did he get I, I his powers? Like, that was that was <laughs> that crazy. was news to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so just to see that world, and then to, also to see how. Miles Morales, like, well, I'll say before I get into Miles Morales, what I really enjoyed about Miguel's character is that Miguel is very aware that there's different Spider-Men across the world, across this Spider-Verse, and he has a job to do to protect the multiverse, which I, which I appreciate. What I didn't like is that he kept referring to Miles as a mistake, um, because he said that you know, obviously the spider that bit him came from another universe, which I understand, but I would also, I can make the argument that if Peter didn't end up at that science fair, he wouldn't have gotten his spider powers either. Like if you would have moved certain pieces around, I mean, I mean, it kind of proves my point at the beginning of the movie where uh, that version of Peter Parker became the lizard when he should have been Spider-Man. So, but but anyway, but overall, I, it was great storytelling. The art in this movie was freaking amazing. Crazy. Definitely took a page off of uh, the first movie. It was like we were watching a live comic book in the theater. Like That's literally, what it felt, felt like. It really felt like you were in this like different 3D experience. <laughs> it wasn't even 3D. You were just like in a, a real life live setting. Yeah. Right, right. And I seen it. I seen it in IMAX, and I was just like blown away because it was just. Like every frame was a color palette of the characters, the different city, the different Spider Men that were introduced. Uh, Spider Punk is my dude. Like that guy, yeah, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> yeah, he he was. I I mean, I've read about him. Um, he doesn't have that much of, of a a back back history, but uh, the way Daniel Kaluuya played that character, I was like, whoa! Like I was just. Just blown away. He was one of my one of the standouts, and then also uh, the Indian Spider Man. How he was just so chill about being Spider Man and chill, but chill about just his whole life was really cool. And he was so charismatic. I thought he was really cool too. And then um, seeing that relationship dynamic between Gwen and Miles was amazing. And then seeing Miles grow up, like he's yeah. he's balancing school and responsibilities while being spider-man and he can't tell his parents because he's afraid his parents are going to judge him so just to see those crazy dynamics and then to see that crazy cliffhanger at the end which i was not expecting like that that was the one thing i can honestly say i was not expecting out of everything that i've seen that was just like whoa like that was just that was crazy But, but overall my initial thoughts this is probably the best Spider-Man movie we got. Uh, to, to you, Kevin, what were your initial thoughts on this film? Because we've mentioned, like, it, you, you've, you've seen it twice. It's visually just so dynamic. It really pops out to you. What did what were your initial takeaways of it? And like Alex just said a big statement, this is the best one we've gotten. Like, like, mm-hmm. like, like what, are, what are your takeaways on just, like, the high praise it's instantly getting? Yeah, no, um, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Like I said, I watched it. Thursday at 2 p.m. when it came out, the first showing I could see here. 
Um, and then the next day, uh, me and my wife went to go watch it. Uh, really enjoyed the movie um, and had super high expectations. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, and so um, hearing that it was rated so well and people were had a lot of stuff. Usually I get too hyped for a movie and then I wind up being a little let down, even if I like it a lot. <laughs> um, this was, I was not at all let down. Um, I, yeah, the, the whole discussion on how the artwork was, was like, if you go look at the Spider-Gwen uh, comics, I mean, it's kind of, it uses more of the watercolor kind of look whenever yeah. the, they did the ink and the coloring for it and everything. And so, I mean, just like the scenes with her and her dad and you just see the like it's literally dripping as if it was painted. Like there's the walls are colored and dripping and and there's different styles for each world because that's how comics work. Whenever there's one writer for one world, you don't have the same, uh, you know, uh, person who does the pencils, person who does the inks, person who does the coloring. There's different styles of art for each one. And the fact that and the way you can show that is insane. Like it was just incredible visually is one of the best things i've ever seen i mean i think that's an easy thing to say <laughs> um and so i i i don't have it over the other one uh, over the first spider-man for me or into the spider-verse um the, the only small thing is just kind of in and of itself it kind of it definitely feels like a part one um that yeah. it's a little bit different than uh, there's been comparisons with infinity war um, but Infinity War, I mean, mm. it, it was a movie. Well, I'm, I'm saying like the whole part one and part two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was, gonna think, was I was thinking ending. that because the part grading a part one is very, is very tough. Yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. And, and so it, it, the Infinity War, I was like, but it is. It's kind of a, a beginning, a middle, and then there was an end in a sense. I mean, they were dusted, and it lasted for five. I mean, that's a whole thing that happened, and then it kind of kept going, you know, in a way. But um, so. so there was a lot of things going on. I, I really like looking at it through um, one of my friends named Bradford. I, I don't know if you know Bradford Davis. Um, he's a writer, and he said something that I thought was really good, too, about um, mm -hmm. uh, this movie and it being a critique kind of on fandom or certain kinds of fandom. Because you see uh, my or not Miles, um, Miguel, whenever he's saying the thing like you were saying earlier, the whole you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here and how people do critique the other versions of superheroes when they're not uh, from a particular community, yeah, <laughs> let's say. Um, and so when you have like a black Spider-Man or a woman Spider-Man or an Indian Spider-Man or or from multiple different communities or a Mexican one like Miguel, like different communities that have Spider-Man or Spider-People or and Thor or in all these different shows and how it's like it's supposed to be like this. I mean, to the point where it's like this is a canon moment. Because that's yeah. what people always say. Well, it's this is what the comics did. You know, this is what the comics. And look, I'm as super nerdy about comics. I got books everywhere. I'm starting to write comics. I'm like nerdy into this stuff. Like I'm, I, I get it to a degree. But like the fact that like you see that whenever they say it's kind of a critique there, you can hear, you can see that through the whole story then. That kind of aggressive, you're not supposed to be here. You know, kind of existing in those spaces in which you're not really um expected in a sense from certain people yeah absolutely um and now getting to our first topic from one to four stars what would you give it i would definitely give this four i mean it completely took the story and the action uh to the next level and the character development was was really at a at a, at a peak level um to you alex what would be your rating for one to four stars and some of your particular reasons 
Uh, it would definitely be four stars. No questions about five. it. Maybe even five. <laughs> like, oh, wait, hold on first. Hold on for a quick second. Hold on. I'm sorry. I have a phone call. <laughs> Kevin, Ke- Ke- Kevin, to, to you from one to four stars, what, what would be your particular rating and some of your reasons? I'm going to give it a 3.98. All right. So I guess it's it's right, right there. Under, yeah. Into the Spider-Verse is a four for me, which is like a high, high, perfect. Um, the 3.98 is like the small thing I said of it being like, it, it couldn't be really its own thing fully because there's something else and it hasn't finished what's going on. Um, how much, how much does was, that hinder? How much does that hinder though? Like, do you think that's when it is leading into something else? You, you do think it can't be judged as its like own movie and it's not own movie because obviously it is its own movie, but it's almost like it's leading into something else. So that next thing might even be superior than what it is. Uh, possibly like, like for me, I'd almost like, let's say the next one winds up being just as good or whatever. I'm probably mentally going to be just judging these together and I might wind up being like, Hey, they're together. It's a five out of four, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just kind of a little hard for me. Like if, if you were to show somebody to watch it, like in my theater on the second watch, a whole bunch of kids were upset because of the way it ended on a cliffhanger and yeah. some parents, cause it was a cliffhanger. Um, I knew that it was, since it was like, in a sense, a part one and another one's coming out soon. I knew there was some way it was probably going to end in which you were going to need to keep watching or something. Um, the reaction to that was interesting. Like that. Even in my movie, somebody saw it was like, oh, that was horrible. Like, come on, why would you end it like that? Like, people, they just, I'm like, you just watched a spectacular movie, but that ending yeah. just completely warps how you how you view yeah. it. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not taking it at all. I think it's great how it is. It's not, it's not like a bad choice, nothing at all like that. I'm not saying it was bad. Again, it surprised me the way they did it. I thought it was good. I think it's really good. It's just more so like if you showed somebody the movie by itself, it wouldn't maybe be full. But that's being super picky. And I'm only being picky compared to like the first one, which I think is perfect. So that's the only reason I'm even being. And I'm saying that as someone, I'm probably going to watch it three more times in theater. So (laughs) I think it's incredible. Amazing. It it absolutely is. Uh, To you, Alex, uh, why would you why would you rate it kind of as a four star movie? Okay, uh, sorry about that, you guys. But okay, so the reason why I rated four stars, this and the reason why I say this is probably the best Spider-Man movie ever for me. Um, this was a movie that had a really good beginning, middle, and end. And when this was a movie, obviously filled with cameos, but the cameos actually made sense. There's a reason why you saw all the different like Prowlers and the different Spider-Man. They were they were made. They were all there to. To contribute to the main story, which uh, you know, one of my favorite one of my favorite things about this uh, uh, about this uh, about this movie is that they could have taken this movie and just played like made this movie like a cameo movie, and it would have been so uh, whack to the point where you saw every Spider Man you remember watching as a kid, and it's like there's no story. It's just like oh, you run into you know. 1999 spider-man so what you know but like to see like some of the spider-man that you watch uh as a kid or even as a young adult have lines in this even the video game spider-man had a line in the movie and i was just like whoa like he was there and then um if you're if you're paying attention when i saw it a second time genki is actually playing marvel spider-man 2 in his bedroom yeah like you're watching him play the game and then you actually see the actual Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse. So I thought they were being there were a lot of meta fun, funny moments. And then also to see uh 
Donald Glover as the Prowler. Oh my God. Like, that's, I mean, I, I, if, if we don't get a live action Miles Morales movie, I don't know when. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to get one, but if we don't get one soon, I know that like the fandom probably is going to rupture. But for me, like I said, it's, it told a complete story. Is that confirmed? Story. Is and that confirmed that we're getting a live action Miles Morales? It's not confirmed, but it's hard for me to believe that we're not going to get one. Yeah. Only because like why why Don, if Donald Glover the question is is Donald Glover's plot prowler in the MCU or not? If and if it's not, I'm okay with that. If it is, I'm okay with that. Either way, we're just we're that's the question. It's just a variant of the Sony verse or a variant of the MCU. And what I loved about this movie is that this movie is very aware that the MCU <laughs> exists. That the uh, Tom, that the uh, Tobey Maguire universe exists, mm-hmm. that Andrew Garfield universe exists. It's very aware of the fact that it's this movie, it's in its own universe, and it doesn't necessarily need those other universes to make this movie better. And that's what I loved about this movie. Um, you brought up uh, uh, Infinity War. I, I've seen that comparison, and I agree, because it does set up like a part one, part two, but I think personally... Infinity War had a definitive ending. Like it like yeah, everyone mm-hmm. got dusted, but let's just say if that was the end of the MCU, like at least phase 1 of the MCU, I would have been okay with that. <laughs> I would have been okay with them because like they literally they, because here's the thing, there was no even in the beginning of in, uh, of Endgame remember when they went to go approach Thanos, he destroyed the stones. Mm-hmm. So at that point that was literally the definitive the definitive ending to that story until they decided to do time travel, which is, you know, a cop out for almost every movie in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> My thing is with Spider-Verse, they didn't have to use a supernatural element in a sense to leave us off of a cliffhanger. No, they put they put Miles in a different universe and he has to face himself. He has to now deal with himself, another version of himself, and supposedly he may get back up or not. And the reason why this uh, this cliffhanger meant so much is because, yeah, you're going to have to watch Beyond the Spider Verse to, to get the completion, but it left you wondering: okay, is is Miles going to die, or which Miles is going to die? How is he going to grow from this point? Yeah. What is the Spider Verse going to end up being? Um, my uh, one thing, uh, one criticism I do have, uh, when you see the spot hopping into different universes, what I did not like is when he hopped into the Venom verse and he started talking to that lady, it was a funny scene, but I don't know if anyone caught it. The spot is still in cartoon form. Mm. And I'm thinking like, why wouldn't he, why would he still be in cartoon form if he's in the real world? I would think that they would show like a real live a real live version of the spot if he's jumping into someone else's universe. Mm-hmm. All the reason why I say that is because if you watch them and again I watched it twice, when you watch the video game Spider-Man, the PS4 Spider-Man, you see him in this video game form, but when he's in the Spider-Verse, he's in that cartoon comic book form. So they it's like they didn't really stay true to the only person who really stayed true to who they was was Donald Glover. So he was a human in and out, in and out of the Spider-Verse. But everybody else, like even Spectacular Spider-Man, he had that one scene where he's a fully cartoon character, 
And then when they're chasing Miles, that is when you see frames of him in that little car- comic book vibe uh, version of him, which I think they could have did a little bit of a better job of, okay, if you're going to have Spot hot from these different universes, change his appearance. Because like even when he went to the Lego verse, he was still himself. Mm-hmm. So, but, but, uh, but for me, uh, this had a complete story, beginning, middle, and end. Um, we saw Miles' growth. Um, and honestly, uh, what I loved about Miles is what, what I loved about Miles is that he's the only Spider-Man who said, I'm not going to let you guys t- t- tell my story. Oh, my story. Yeah, that was powerful. And I, and I, and I, and I think that that was the, the, one of the most definitive things that made him the standout out of every single Spider-Man within that pool because they all have the same origin story to an extent. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, and now getting into favorite character, uh, one that really stood out to me is how they developed Gwen because, you know, she's arguably the secret protagonist of the film and her reconciling with her father, setting out to help Miles, you know, change his destiny, really sent her character in, in a stellar new direction. To you, Kevin, who was your overall favorite character in, in this movie and just, you know, how they were developed? So I'm going to not say Gwen and Miles. I mean, they're, they're great and they're probably the best too. And, yeah. and I love that. I just want to say the one that like kind of stood out for me that I love that I didn't think was going to, wasn't expecting and all that. And that was, yeah, Hobie, Spider-Punk. Like, like you already brought that up <laughs> a little earlier, but like, man, as like a, as like a borderline political anarchist myself, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, man, this dude, he That's literally was in there, <laughs> was just chill and cool the whole time was doing this, was like, yeah, and it's just kind of different than you hear from various superheroes, even the way when he went into this whole thing that he views as an institution and a thing, he was just like, he still has that side eye. He's like, y'all have this whole thing here, but like, what's kind of going on? And then when he sees it, and I remember sitting there watching, I was like, he's about to tell him to put his whole hand on there again, like he did earlier, watch, I bet. And he, <laughs> you know, he did that thing, and... And then he goes and grabs it and says, I'm out. And one thing I didn't notice until the second time, um, I don't know why I didn't catch it the first time, probably because so much was going on. But do you remember whenever he asked Miles, he was like, why don't you just go and make your own? Because he said, why do you want to be here? And Miles was like, I just want to get a watch. Like He said something like that. Yeah. And he was like, why don't you make your own? So when he left after they were like, trying to get Miles in there, mm-hmm. he threw his watch off, right? Yeah. But then whenever he gives the one to Gwen, he created, he, he made one. Like and the portal looks different. It's in it's in Hobie's animation. Like yeah. whenever she goes into the portal, it's not the same portal that they're going through. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, because he mentioned earlier, why don't you just make your own? And so then he made his own and then just brought it to her and then left. And then whenever she goes through it, you see that weird kind of like I, I have no idea how to describe that animation. His appearance even like it kind of almost strained my eyes in a weird way because it wasn't mixing with the others at times. Yeah, like, I had to like adjust. Um, but yeah, so I, I really, really enjoyed his character. Um, a very different type of person in there um, that was, stood yeah. Out. Even, he stood out. Yeah, definitely stood out. Total different situation. Yeah, yeah. so I, I really like Kobe. Absolutely. Uh, Alex, to you, who was your overall uh, favorite character in this one? I have to agree with Kevin, Spider-Punk. <laughs> Roland, super Spy- 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 <laughs> I mean, Spider-Punk, and I will say this, I won't stay, spend too long on this. Um, what he looks like in the movies is not what he looks like in the comic books. <laughs> and I think the way the directors took the liberty to make him look and look more like Daniel Kaluuya in a sense, but like more like a, like a, um, 
uh, a Bob Marley, Marley, Bob Marley with yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. I was like, yo, if they start making comics with him looking like that, I'm buying them. Yeah, I'm yeah. buying. But the true personality of of, of Spider Punk is how I kind of read him because he is an anarchist. He, uh, you know, Spider Punk. Like, uh, if you read his comics, he he normally does. He fights crime, but he fights like institutions in a sense, like by using his power. So I thought that having him in this movie was was amazing. So yeah, Spider Punk was a standout for me. Definitely. Um, and now getting into most memorable scenes, I had uh, the opening fight scene, also touring uh, the Spider Society base, uh, the Spider War, Gwen coming into her own, and then um, finally the double twist ending. Uh, to you, Alex, were there any particular scenes that that kind of stood out to you as like maybe like the most dynamic ones? Um, where Miles finally breaks down and tells his mom that he's Spider-Man. But well, here's the thing, though. It's funny. And I noticed this the first time. I knew Miles was not in his world when he got home because his mom reacted to him when she first sees Miles in his room. Yeah. I, w- I was going to assume she'd be upset because he had been gone all That's day. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, she's going to be super upset about this. But she was super chill. Yeah. So when she, when he said, I'm Spider-Man and he she was like, who's that? I, I was the only one in the theater who wasn't surprised when she said that. Everybody else was like, why would she like, no, like, because I pay attention to little stuff. And then I kept saying, well, where's his dad? You know, it's his like his dad wasn't supposed to die until two days later from that point. Two days hadn't passed yet. So where's his father? So I knew he was in the universe. I thought what was going to happen was his mom was going to try to kill Miles. But then when we see Aaron walk in, I was like, oh, this is, I don't know what's about to happen here. <laughs> yeah, me either. I was and like, what is, what's, what's going to happen? Once it leads up to the final scene, the I mm-hmm. think one of the, the standout scenes of the whole movie, which makes the movie really great. Miles Morales is fighting himself as the Prowler, which is crazy. And then, another, I guess another criticism now that I think about it, there are other variants of Miles as Spider-Man as well. So for them to kind of exclude those other variants of Miles being Spider-Man, like, like okay, like, like uh, you know, Miles Morales has his own game. That's a version of Spider-Man that could have been included in the movie. But they included the other version of Spider-Man, the PS4 version Spider-Man, um, instead of the Miles Morales. And I, I get it. Uh, they're trying to set up that Miles was really the only one who became um, Spider-Man. But uh, other than that, just to see, my favorite scene is when he, yeah, when he finally breaks down and tells his mom who he is. I, I really enjoyed that scene because he was like, I have the weight of the world on my shoulders and I'm just a kid. I need help. I can't do this. Yeah. You know, I, I can't. So man, but yeah, go ahead. Thing I wanted to say on that, on that scene with the prowler, I'm be, there's one other thing that took it down 0.1% for me. Uh, one thing I didn't like was like, when you see miles as uh, the good miles, right. As how we'd view it. Why does he talk this particular way and look this particular way? But when he's the prowler, he has braids and he's Miles Morales. Like, like they make him more like as if braids and having an accent now is going to be like you being yeah. the bad guy. That, that was, that was interesting. 
I think he was fully embodied. Like, because if you watch, like, Miles as a character leans, and I hate saying this because, but I kind of, I kind of see it this way. Miles leans more black than he does Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Like, he only talks, to, he only speaks Spanish with his mom and then with certain characters yeah. who don't speak English. And I think with this, this, this variant of him is leaning more Spanish sure. than black. Oh, and, and that would make sense too, partly with, with um, his, his dad dying in a sense, he'd probably right, be, right. but no, I'm talking about even on the black end and of being like, Oh, he has braids now. And so that's going to be more like of a, of a, a menacing look is what I mean is how right. people view sometimes how him. characters look, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and there's a small theory I got where I'm like, well, what if he's not, I mean, we didn't see him fully like attack him, attack him. So we don't know that he's like fully a bad, evil prowler. I mean, they're doing the same thing as if you saw another version of yourself, they captured him and then he got there and he's standing there with him. But what if it winds up going like he's the prowler, but a version that's like, I don't know, with a conscience or something to some degree that he's doing something. I don't know. I, I I see where you're going with that, but the reason why I would I would only disagree when you see that Miles's dad is dead. I think that version of Miles or his uncle or both of them killed his father because his like for instance, uh, his uncle's Ooh. way too comfortable with Miles's mom, like they're in a relationship. So it wouldn't surprise me if Miles was the one who killed his dad or his uncle killed his dad. I and plus remember this is the world where that spider came from because this is a world without Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's where that spider came from themselves. to bite Miles. So since that didn't happen, I'm going to assume this Miles, I mean obviously he fell into some form of a bad influence and his dad's not there, but they don't explain how. And remember when Miles tells Miles, "I have to save our dad." He's like, "He's not my dad, he's your dad." My mm-hmm. thing is, is that if my dad died and I, if my dad truly died and I felt, I would feel some form of remorse of it. And to see another version of me trying to save my dad and I don't feel anything that, that, that didn't sit think. well with me. That's why I'm like, maybe he's responsible for his dad, his own dad's death. It is still weird though. He's seeing another version of himself that he doesn't even know if it's like really him too. I mean, you got to think like he's literally seeing another dude dressed up and that's him that he's like, Hey, I'm gonna just tie you up. Cause I don't know if you're like, like what this is either. You know what I mean? But he was really calm though. He was like, oh. he had a blank face and everything. I was like, what? I agree. Yeah. I agree. That's where I said. It's not even like a, I don't have it as like a take. I just have a small, like, mm. like, I wonder if they'll kind of do that a little bit. Like if there'll be some version of that and to where because I do think eventually it's not like they're going to kill this Miles. I think there's going to be some version of, I don't know, he becomes that or someone comes in to help and, you know, all that. But like, yeah, that's, that's a small theory, like like not a big theory. I'm going to kind of watch it again and see, like, is there anything else in there that might have, yeah. you know, there's so much in there. Could have been hinting towards that. Um, yeah. to, to you, Kevin, what were like some of your memorable scenes overall for this one? Um. I kind of mentioned one earlier. It's not a particular scene, but just the method they did with each um, of, with distinct styles for each world, um, whether it was uh, Pav in uh, Mumbatan, is that how you pronounce it, in, the, in India, so. um, with the Indian Spider-Man, or Gwen's uh, world in which it was painted a certain way, or um, that uh, Picasso vulture that came in. 
like off of sketches from notebooks, <laughs> um, Hubie's look, or um, even um, the way that Spot winds up looking at the end. A lot of people have commented how he looks kind of like a like how sketches and unfinished, uh, unpainted artwork looks like whenever comics get done. Like how it's not quite finished. It kind of reminded me. I've read certain like horror comics. It kind of almost had a horror comic lens, like mm. how it looked a little more evil and how it progressed from being goofy to that way. I, I just loved all the different ways they did that. Um, and and one of them that I like too, I love intros. Like I oh, love yes. a good, like someone busts into the scene. So whenever they were fighting Vulture and then uh, 2099 comes flying in, Miguel comes flying in. And then uh, is it Jesse Drew, right? Jessica yeah, Drew? Yeah, Jessica um, And then when she comes in on the motorcycle, the way that they get introduced, I'm like, oh, man, I love an intro scene where someone just comes mm-hmm. in, like, I mean, I'm cool, her hands up, she's yeah. on a motorcycle. Like, yeah. I love a good intro. So those intros, the way they jumped in, I was like, it, like, got me hyped to see it. I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> you know, I, I love – so every intro they did through it um, was pretty great. But that one was, like, particularly good for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to our next, next topic with most people quotes I had. Uh, let's do things differently this time, so differently from Gwen. Also, the power of the multiverse and the palm of my hand from the spot. Wherever you go from here, from, from Rhea Morales. Uh, also, Miles being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. That's the job from, from Miguel O'Hara. Uh, all, one thing I've learned from Miles, all possible from Gwen. Also, sorry, I'm doing my own thing from Miles. And then finally, I never found, found the right band, so I started my own from Gwen. Uh, to you, Alex, what were the um, standout quotes uh, uh, for you in this one? The best one. Sorry, I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> I, like i'm not the it, it reminded <clears throat> miles the one and this is the reason why i really love this movie they tried to make miles feel out of place like he so was times. not fit to be spider-man mm-hmm. and i would say i would say that's a little bit racist if the fact if it wasn't the fact that it was more than just one race there. But given the fact that they were black, white, Hispanic, LGBT, uh, animals. I mean, everyone was represented literally in this movie. It so, still could be a little bit, though. Uh, That's what could, I was saying. Like, could there be, could be some hints of that, It though. still could like, be. Uh, had there not been some black people. I mean, Spider-Woman. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Issa Rae's characters. Yeah. Black, you know, uh, the virtual Spider-Man. Black. She was a woman. So, like, so for me. For him, for him to say that is like, listen, all of you guys can accept your fate. That's fine. I'm not going to allow this fate to be a representation of me. But also, and another again, which this film kind of somewhat contradicts itself. What was the fate that made Tom Holland Spider-Man Spider-Man? People keep saying Aunt, Aunt May. Aunt May died when he was already Spider-Man. So that doesn't make sense to me. So Aunt May died literally. So, but also, I also understand that in No Way Home, um, spoilers if you haven't seen No Way Home, Tom Holland Spider Man is transitioning into a another, I guess, another version of himself, where he's not relying on Tony Stark anymore for help. He's his own man now, and no one knows who Peter Parker is, but they know who Spider Man is. But that's to me, that still doesn't give him the definitive factor of what made him. Spider-Man because he was already Spider-Man way before that happened. So yeah. the fact that Miles has to allow this to happen, well, what happened into Tom Holland's life to make him Spider-Man? Because, you know, even in that movie, they he never acknowledges Uncle Ben. 
Only mm-hmm. two of them acknowledge Uncle Ben. He doesn't. So yeah. is Uncle she- Ben not a factor in the MCU? Okay, cool. He's not a factor. Then what makes him Spider Man then? That's what did make that's what didn't make sense to me. Is that you're saying that all of you guys have the same fate, but not Tom Holland? But Miles has to have the same fate. That didn't make sense to me. So to your point, and I thought of this a little, I was a little confused because I thought that's what his uncle was in the first movie. I mean, his uncle got shot and he's laying there with him. And now part of me was kind of like, isn't that his like pivot? Like, because in the movie it is in the movie you, you, you recall, oh, Spider-Man uncle died. Now he kind of like. Does the thing, but I'm like, wait, didn't uh, Miles just do that in the first movie? That was one part of me that mm. was kind of a little like he he did do a version of that. We watched it in the last one. Yeah, why does he have to have two of them? <laughs> right, I was kind of a little confused on there, but yeah, that's a fair point. Um, to you, Kevin, where were where were the quote? Was there? I mean, obviously, Alex said that the quote that a lot of people are mentioning, but were there any other quotes that that stood out to you? No. Um, I mean, yes, but like, but that's, that's the best one that you got to go with. Well, that one. <laughs> you know, at, at first, at first, cause, cause that one's been going around, And at first part of it almost seemed a little, not cheesy, but like, uh, there was a part of it that I was like, would a kid really say that until I forgot what was said to him earlier? Cause he said the whole, what did he say? Like, everyone keeps telling me how my story's supposed to go. Nah, I'm going to do my own thing. And I was like, I work with kids. I don't know if they're going to be like, Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to And I forgot whenever he was in the uh, counselor's office, when she's talking to him, they're like, oh, here's your story. She's telling him, oh, you know, you grew up in an immigrant household and struggled through. That's your story. And I was like, oh, that's why it's there of this is my story. Because I'm like, I work with a lot of kids. Not many of them frame it that way. So there's a part of me that was like, it's written perfect. I just don't know if a kid would say that. But then once I, I remember I remember that part of it, I was like, oh no, never mind. It's perfect, perfect. Like it's oh, yeah. it's great. The like, context, it's, uh, the context all, fit. Yeah, it's it's an all-time just good. And it represents kind of like what I was saying, the whole the whole emphasis on Miles being like, I don't have to accept it the same way. Um and if I can do something about it, I'm going to, which ironically is a very Spider-Man thing. In almost yeah. all of the times where Spider-Man's doing stuff, you know, he's always, oh, you can't do this, or you're going to have to save this and I do got that. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> except in this one, it's even to a higher degree. He's almost, like, more Spider-Man-y than all the other Spider-people and animals and reptiles and dinosaurs. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and now getting into what did you like the most about the storyline. Uh, to me, just, you know, how it never loses sight of the true humanity at the center of its story and you know, even though it would be easy to do so in order to, to prioritize better animation, it really sticks with that formula of allowing this to be one of the you know most satisfying Spider-Man stories ever told. Um, to you, Kevin, like what particular element of this storyline did you kind of like the most? Yeah, I, I think it's just that idea like that him being defiant in these spaces that aggressively are saying you don't belong. Yeah. Like that constant. And, and they did so good in that storytelling element to where it didn't feel forced or preachy or it fit exactly with what's going on in the storyline. Yeah. It wasn't like a, 
you young black men are not able to, you know, like it wasn't like them saying it in a real weird way. And it could have went that way. It could have went that way, but they avoided (laughs) it. (laughs) Like, well, like uh, kind of like I said earlier, when Miguel was saying it a certain way, I was was like, like, oh man, that's cringy. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't feel right, you know. Um, but but yeah, like the whole. I mean, as he as they're going up and ascending and going up there, and he's more aggressively the way he's telling them like that. And the second time watching, it reinforced what his mom had told him earlier. But she was talking about college or just in general. And she was like, hey, when you get in these high places, yeah, like when you get up in these high places, they're going to try to tell you you don't belong. Don't let them do it. And it's cool. Like his groundedness of understanding who he is comes from his his mom and his dad, his family. Um, and just being able to understand who he is, even in these spaces. And rather than it just uh, pressing him down, he's able to be defiant in that. Yeah. And um, yeah, and do his own thing, as it says. So. Absolutely. Um, to you, Alex, what particular element of this storyline uh, did you kind of like the most? Uh, I have to piggyback on what Kevin said. Like, yeah. essentially, Miles is becoming his own person. This is, this, like the first one, it was definitively miles's movie learning who he is and not allowing um different people to choose his story from his school counselors to his parents to the the people who share the same powers and abilities that he does he's going to be spider-man his way he's going to be his own man and that was the definitive thing that kept progressing in this story that i truly love so for me um those elements as a whole, keeping that progression is what was uh, my favorite part of watch or my favorite thing about watching this movie. I didn't get bored seeing um, Miles not stand up for himself. And even I, I'm like, it's it's funny because when I look at the first movie, Miles has definitely grown mentally, spiritually and physically and, and definitely emotionally. So like he he knows who he is. So for all these different people who are supposed to be close to him to, to try to def, trying to, to make, I guess, to define him for him I, and him to come out and him to come out of that. I thought that was the most healthy way to tell that story, especially uh, sharing something so unique with other people who are predominantly more white, but also who have special who are different races as well they they share one special thing and even they were trying to tell him you need to do this and he was like nah i'll do it my own way so i i think just having that 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 third line throughout the movie is what uh kept the movie uh kept the movie going for me absolutely um and getting to our, to our next topic team from now do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing i, I definitely think the visuals are something that is just unforgettable, something you can't you can't shy away from. It's always going to stand out when you watch it. Um, the character development from 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 Miles specifically was was outstanding, and the extra complimentary actors um, characters that added in were just you know phenomenal. Um, to you, Kevin, like how do you think this will age another decade from now? Because obviously we have that premise of um, the next movie following it is going to really you know complete the context. How do you kind of see this aging another decade from now? Oh, I, I think it I would age very well. <laughs> I mean, um, animation done well is always going to age like well, and even if it's a classic form, which it'd be hard to see this one ever get to be an old feel. Um, but the fact of, yeah, it being groundbreaking, it being um, 
just incredible and in how it does everything. Yeah, I'm, I don't see how it couldn't. I could only see it just continuing to up. like be watched over and over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to you, Alex, like, how do you think this particular movie will age another decade from now? It's it's going. I think it's going to age well with the uh, with which each generation. Um, I will say uh, we we're we're living we're I would say since maybe two thousand what maybe fifteen till now is what we're living in an age where uh, studios are be are feeling a little bit more comfortable to tell stories of heroes of color now. And um, I said this in my uh, spoilers review of this movie yesterday. I said, I bet you in the next 10 years, like Batman's not going to like the, the Batman that we know is not going to be Batman anymore. We're going to get probably going to get Batman beyond. There will be no more Peter Parker stories. There'll be Miles Morales stories and other stories. And then we're going to see the transition of characters. Because if you think about it over the last ever since uh, cinema and TV have been out, they've been retelling the same stories of these same characters, uh, uh, essentially telling the same stories of Bruce Wayne, Peter Parker, the X-Men, the original X-Men. Re and repeat. Yeah, uh, like it's been reboot, reboot, reboot of the same people, but it's never really been past the mantle, except for actually really since Avengers Endgame, where now... We're getting a new Captain America. We're getting a new Black Panther. We've got a new Black Panther. We, we're getting, you know, we're getting uh, a sort at a, a sort of different heroes now, which I think I really what I what I what I and I know this is not part of the MCU, but just to pick, just to add to my point, what I liked about the Phase Four is the fact that they were introducing new heroes that we've never seen on screen before. What I dis dislike about Phase Four, they could have done it a little bit better. Um, but the fact that we're getting like a Shane Chi, we're getting these different heroes to age well in the next 10 years. Like I want my, my daughter and her kids to see that there's just more than just one Batman, more than just one Spider-Man, more than just one Hulk. So when I look at Spider-Verse, this is a testament of where it all started and where it could essentially end up by the go. time our kids get older. So yes, I think this will age well. Um, and, and, and also it's an animated movie, so it's not, there's not really much swearing in it. There's no really sexual themes in it. So like in a sense, like a 10 year old can watch this movie and he or she would be fine, you know? And yeah. I think a 10 year old 10 years from now would probably feel the same way, you know? Definitely. So, um, and, and before we wrap it up, I mean, obviously the question of like where this movie ranks among the best has been discussed, um, you know, like in terms of top three or top five, because like I, I would still have Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man 2, No Way, uh, No Way Home, hum Homecoming, um, and that kind of mix. Like to you, Kevin, like, like where would you kind of rank this in particular among like some of your best or favorite Spider-Man movies ever? Um, for me, uh, when I kind of, looked at my I ranked kind of my top five Spider-Man movies. I put this one uh and again this is only with two watches and it came out like really recently. Who knows? I might watch it some more and it like rises the even higher. Yeah. Um I have it at number four. Um I have Into the Spider-Verse as my number one. That's my favorite Spider-Man uh ever. Then I have uh No Way Home, 
Spider-Man 2, Cross the Spider-Verse, and then the first Spider-Man. Um, the Tobey Maguire, I mean, that was just my, I mean, that's kind of like a... Yeah, I'm always going to be biased towards gonna be that. There. Gonna be, um, and uh, I, I just, um, again, very much, because again, when I watch the next one, I'm probably going to just be like, these ones, and if it's like that good, I might be like, Into the Spider-Verse, number two is two and three combined for me, you know, yeah. like... It very well could be that, and I'm totally fine with that because, like I said, the first one is one of my favorite superhero movies or just favorite movies in general ever, and it's definitely my favorite Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Um, I've watched it an abnormal amount of times, <laughs> um, and uh, I love this one, and I can probably watch it probably more than uh, some of the ones I even like maybe a little more. If we're more. being honest, though, this could go down, based on how the next one is, this could go down as the greatest superhero trilogy ever. It, it 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 it's it's like if, with how good these two ones. I don't know if we want to have that conversation. With how good these two ones are, the last it it could be in yeah. that conversation. There's there's no misses, um, and almost all of them have one. Uh, you know, like one, like the best trilogies might have like one that's okay. Yeah. Neither of these are okay. They're great. They're, great. They're both like great great movies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to, to you, Alex, uh, to close it out, like like where would this be in kind of your top five or top three rankings ever i was obviously so, i think you have it number one. <laughs> oh yeah definitely and the reason why i would say just follow me real quick the crossified spider versus number one for me is because this movie did two things it got us invested in the character and it even got us so invested to the character that people are so eager to buy tickets for beyond the spider-verse and they're asking when the trailer is like today we today and i i, I had no I, I did not know this today until i got home they finally announced the release date for marvel spider-man 2 for oh, october yeah. 16th mm-hmm. and people thought that that was for oh. the, the next movie <laughs> they were that amped <laughs> they were that amped and i'm saying i have i have yet to aside from avengers avengers Infinity War and Endgame, I do not remember a comic book movie leaving people that hype. Mm. Like, because I can't wait. Like, think about it. We're about to end this year. Watch it end this year with a great Spider-Man movie and probably an even better Spider-Man game. (laughs) And then we're about to go into the next year with another Spider-Man movie wrapping up essentially Miles' story from from what I'm reading. This is probably the last animated movie in the franchise so that's why it sits number one for me not just because of the story but what it was also able to do so it's across the spider-verse for me no way home is second uh into the spider-verse is three uh uh raimi spider-man two and then um uh Yeah, it's a tie don't, between. Don't do the Andrew Garfield movies. Don't don't don't. No, it's actually a tie between uh, Far From Home and um, Spider Man One. Okay, Spider Man One really still like holds up. Spider Man One still holds up. Yeah, so I probably you know what I'd probably do. Yeah, I'd, I would do Spider Man Two and then Spider Man One because those though the first two movies of the the Raimi trilogy were really good. Yes, absolutely. So. Well, Kevin and Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure having you guys on, and thanks so much for doing this. For sure. Oh, anytime, man. Thank you for having and me We're going to be ready for the next one. We're, we're going to be ready for the next Beyond, because <laughs> it might be 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wednesday Burns. This has been Full Scope. See you later.